2021 and we are starting to feel some summertime weather now let me tell you I was out early early this morning and it was already uh, almost 80 degrees and it was going to get up to like 98 today or something like that so we've had some hot weather here in this part of the Midwest and I'm sure it's probably been warm where you are I hear you guys are having drought again out in California not a good thing not a good thing not good for fires and not good for water rationing and all that stuff. Hope things work for you. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast for Monday. As I said, it's June the 14th. Happy to have you along. Every Monday, we play a comedy for you. And uh, we're going to play one of the most popular radio programs of the golden days of radio uh, coming up in just a minute. And it's, it's a funny, funny episode comes from the war years, the years during World War II. We don't play a lot of shows that old, so I think you're going to enjoy this one. I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. But what you need to do now is relax, get rid of the cares of the day, just go over there in that comfortable, easy chair, get your feet up, perhaps get yourself a little snack, and just unwind, because we're coming right back at you with this week's old-time radio comedy. figured it out, but we're going to play an episode of Fibber McGee and Molly that was first broadcast on December 26th, 1944. This one is very funny. Do you ever have a day where just it seems like everything goes wrong and it just becomes more and more frustrating? 
I know I find I kind of have a bad knee right now, and it, it, it bothers me to have to bend over to pick something up off the floor. I mean, I do it, and I do try to stretch the knee out as much as I can and, and do all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, it seems like I drop things more often than I used to. And I'm constantly having to bend over and pick them up. And it just makes me want to go, you know, (laughs) you get like that, Chester. Well, I know you do because I've seen you do that, Chester. I've seen you get frustrated like that. Yeah, when th- yeah, like if things, if if the system freezes up or you, yeah, you know what it is. Since Chester works with computers all day, he knows what I'm talking about, and I'm sure you do too. Well, that's the kind of day that McGee is having, and uh, the name of this episode is McGee controls his temper. Like I said, this was from 1944, December 26th, so that was the day after Christmas, and uh, it's a good one. Uh, this was one of the episodes that had Beulah in it. And Beulah, of course, was played by a man, which looking back on it now seems rather controversial, that you had a white man playing a black woman on a show. But nonetheless, that's the way it was. And uh, during that time period, it wasn't really considered, I guess, in too bad of taste. I don't know. I know it's hard to judge things by today's standards, uh, judge something that happened 40, 50 years ago. You'd have to walk in their shoes for a while. But anyway, it's it's a funny episode, and particularly at the beginning, when McGee describes all the things that had gone wrong so far for him that day, <laughs> it's really funny. The writing was so clever on Fibber McGee and Molly. All right, here you go. From 1944, McGee controls his temper. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. an ordinarily good-natured husband starts stalking up and down the living room and throwing his weight around like so much confetti, it's a good time for the little woman to get out of the way. Unless, of course, the little woman knows how to cope with it, like Mrs. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. Dad rat, the dad rat a thing anyway. The dad rat of all the dirty breaks. I could fall in a diamond mine and come out with a bucket full of broken glass. Why does everything have to happen to me? Doggone the doggone luck anyway. Of all the records... McGee, stop kicking that piano. You have your new shoes on. <laughs> McGee, stop it. Well... Heavenly days, there's no use flying into a rage just because you spilled a little ink on a letter. A little ink? Look at it. Smeared the whole page. Uh, now I'll have to write the whole dad ratted letter over again. 
can't read what I wrote and don't remember what I said. <laughs> of all the dirty Nicky. love... Well, gee whiz. It wasn't just spilling the ink. It's been one of them days. Everything's gone wrong. I couldn't get my pajamas off this morning. <laughs> the cord was in a hard knot. <laughs> Busted my shoelace. I fell off the porch getting the morning paper. Stuck my fork in my eye eating my walk. Well, I've warned you about eating and reading in the paper at the same time, dearie. And that's another thing. There was a big hole tore clear through the morning paper. If I ever lay hands on the knucklehead that did that... I did that. I'll break every bone in his... Huh? <laughs> you did? You tore a hole through the morning paper? Yes. What for? So I could see you. <laughs> I get awfully lonesome for you at breakfast, dearie. Oh, sure. And for goodness sakes, now, stop stomping around. Beulah has a cake in the oven. Well, if I had the dad-ratted sense of a dad-ratted horsefly, I'd... McGee, stop swearing. Oh. <laughs> Heavenly days, you can get more real profanity into a dad-rat than the average mule skinner has in his whole vocabulary. <laughs> My goodness, a woman doesn't like to see her own husband. Oh, my gosh. Hey, now, Molly, you got tears in your eyes. Don't cry. Gee, I didn't mean to get so tough. Well? I'm sorry. I got a nasty temper. Yes, you have. <laughs> you have. You fly off the handle like a ten-cent tack hammer. You should learn to control yourself. Yeah, I know, I know. But, gee, you mustn't cry about it. Ain't that serious. Here. Let me wipe your eyes. There. Now, I'm sorry I made you cry. I wasn't crying. I was peeling onions in the kitchen. <laughs> but I don't like to see you get into those tantrums. Yes, it is silly. The idea of me going all to pieces like a donut in a coffee cup. Sure. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Well, now, don't worry about it. I wouldn't want you too easy going. It would mean you lack character. I know, but my temper's too ragged. I'm about as much fun to live with as a second mortgage. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Well, that's nice. Though if all the new leaves you've turned over were made into a bonfire, we could barbecue a rhinoceros. But this time, I mean it. Splendid. Here, now. Go sit down and read this book you started last week. What is it? The Rover Boys in Southern Waters. <laughs> oh, I, I can't read that. There's a big bully in it named Dan Baxter that gets me too mad. I'll read the paper here. And don't cry anymore, Molly. I'll be a good kid. All right, dearie. Shall I turn that light on for you? I don't want you to ruin those merry blue eyes. <laughs> My merry blue eyes will do okay, thanks. Ah, to think that I should get so upset about little things like a blotted letter. <laughs> Uh, pretty childish when you stop to think about things. Oh, hello, Alice. Come in, dear. Hello, Mrs. McGee. I just wanted to tell Mr. McGee I was sorry. Huh? Sorry about what, Alice? About ruining your electric razor. My electric razor? Doggone it. What in the name the of... McGee! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget it, Alice. Gee whiz, why get excited over a little electric razor? What's the fun of shaving if a guy can't bleed a little bit? <laughs> Terribly sorry, Mr. McGee. I'd have it fixed for you, only some of the pieces flew out the window into the snow. Uh, and when I find them in the spring, they might be a little rusty. Mm. Yes, I... Uh, flew all to pieces, eh? <laughs> uh, 
Must have been quite a sight. Like to have been there when it happened. <laughs> like to have been there before it happened. <laughs> See, Alice, uh, what were you doing with the electric razor? Shaving a coconut. <laughs> Shaving a coconut? Well, I'll be a... <laughs> well, it was a fine idea, kid. Anything I love to see, it's a nice, clean, shaven coconut. <laughs> Is shaving coconuts a hobby with you, Alice, dear? Well, no, but it looked so uncouth, Mrs. McGee. You see, it was sent to me by a boy in the South Pacific, and I wanted it to look nice. Well, and a very good reason, Alice. What's a little thing like an 18-buck razor compared to a great romance like yours? Is the boy a flyer, Alice? Yes, and oh, he's had some exciting experiences over there in the jungles, believe me. Mm. One time he was lost for three weeks in a swamp with nothing to eat. Nothing? No. All he had with him was a roll of maps, but they saved his life. You mean he studied the maps and found his way home? No, he ate them. He ate the maps? Now, wait a minute, Alice. That oh, is... but he did. He was just about to die of hunger when he suddenly thought of it. He held the maps up and turned them around backwards and ate them. I don't get it, Alice. Creepers, don't you see? Maps backwards is spam. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm sorry about your razor, Mr. Oh. Billy Mills and the orchestra and the parade of the wooden soldiers. Kiddo, great. Your nerves stopped jumping around like a ping-pong ball? Yep, under strict control. Been sitting here reading the morning paper as cool as an ice man's shoulder. Well, good for you. Then uh, maybe it's safe to break a little bad news. Uh, huh? Beulah smashed your wristwatch. <laughs> really? 
Well, I hope she didn't cut her hand on it. <laughs> Why, McGee, you're marvelous. You love that watch. Yeah, but it was a lot of trouble, too. <laughs> Had to wind it every day. <laughs> Tell Beulah not to worry about it. McGee, I can't get over this. There was a time when you'd have screamed with rage. <laughs> yes, I know, but that was before I learned self-control. I figure you live a lot longer if you don't get too excited about things. Yeah, or else it just seems longer. <laughs> now, you'd be surprised how much better I feel already, Molly. Just an hour or so of controlling my temper, and I'm a new man. Well, would the new man care if we had lamb stew for dinner? Lamb stew! Again? Doggone it, I've had so much lamb stew lately, I'm afraid to make a U-turn. <laughs> I'm getting so darn sick of lamb stew. I <laughs> That's how I would have reacted this morning. <laughs> ah, but I'm different now. Sure. Let's have lamb stew. Probably very nourishing. You give a very convincing imitation of yourself in a bad temper, dearie. Ah, and to think of all the years I've been through making a chump of myself flying off the handle. Sure. When I might have just been sitting here just like this, calmly reading the paper. Hi, yep. Molly. Hi, pal. Heard the news? Hello, Mr. Wilcox. What news, Junior? Well, it isn't confirmed yet, but I've got it on pretty good authority that the new superhighway goes right through this block. Heavenly day. How that affects us, Waxy. Oh, hardly at all, except <laughs> you'll just have to find another place to live, that's all. All these houses will be condemned and torn down. Now, just a darn minute. You mean we're going to be thrown out of our own home? That's the general idea. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Molly? We're being tossed out on our clavicles <laughs> Ah, boy, is that rich Just get the house almost paid for and boom, out we go <laughs> Funniest thing I ever heard Well, I'm glad you're so happy about it, McGee Personally, I think it's an outrage of all the... Uh, 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 temper, temper huh? No use flying off the handle over a little thing like that It's time we moved anyway Imagine moving into a new house with an empty hall closet <laughs> well, I must say, pal, you're taking this like a sportsman Personally, I'd be so darn mad, I'd blow up the courthouse Not a bad idea, where's my hat? I'll go now, down. Molly, now, Molly <laughs> Why, shucks, Junior, no use getting your blood pressure up on account of something you can't do anything about Relax and live longer, I always says Take it easy Take it easy, he says <laughs> And us about to be thrown out in the street lug and luggage Oh, well <laughs> Ah, what a day, what a day Stick a fork in my eye, <laughs> wristwatch busted, electric razor ruined, thrown out of our own home. <laughs> Ain't that a panic? <laughs> Fibber, permit me to shake your hand. Huh? No, don't get up, don't get up. Ah, uh, thank you. And look, will you accept my congratulations on rising to a difficult occasion with such savoir-faire, such aplomb, such sang-froid? Is that good? Oh, it's marvelous. <laughs> I never knew you could restrain yourself like that, pal. And to think it's all a matter of internal control. How else would he do it? Well, external circumstances sometimes help. Like a woman I know who was always in a foul temper. Mm. Nerves were ragged. Her name was Mimi Perkins. And everybody called her Screaming Mimi. And you know what cured her? What did cure her, asked little Fibber innocently. As if he hadn't heard the answer every week for ten years. <laughs> Why, Johnson's Wax. When she found out how easy Johnson's Wax made her housework, she was a different woman. Oh. The very fact that every piece of furniture, all the lampshades, windowsills, woodwork, and leather things gleamed and sparkled with a new beauty and cleanliness 
Why, it just did things for Mimi. And Screaming Mimi is now known as Peaceful Perkins, I suppose. <laughs> well, it changed her whole life. <laughs> Moved her family from Hellgate, New York to Lake Placid. Oh. <laughs> and all because Johnson's wax had smoothed the way. Well, that ain't how I do it, Waxy. With me, it's just willpower. I look myself right in the eye, which is quite a trick in itself. <laughs> and I say, now look, McGee, old man, I say... There's an old Chinese saying you ought to keep in mind. Fong gui sing a sing ho ling hu. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't understand Chinese. <laughs> well, thanks for the information anyway, Junior. Well, don't mention it, pal. As I say, it may be just a rumor, but I thought you ought to know. Hey, Fibber, it's getting pretty dark in here to read a newspaper. Don't you want me to turn on that light for you? No, I don't, dog. Got it if I wanted that light turned on. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, Junior. I'm okay. Perfectly all right. Won't you sit down a while, Mr. Wilcox, and enjoy this new era of peace and happiness that has come to our little nest? <laughs> no, thanks, Molly. And congratulations on your new outlook, pal. I guess people were right about you after all. What, what have they been saying? Well, they've been saying a guy like you ought to go a long way. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yep. They say they can hardly wait for him to get started. <laughs> well, so long now. <laughs> one of the nicest men I know, McGee. He has such wonderful manners and all. Oh, don't let that bowing from the waist fool you, Snooky. That's just his way of sneaking a peek at the floors and woodwork. <laughs> hey, there's a picture coming to the Bijou I want to see. What is it? Winged Victory. That army picture. I understand it's not only colossal, but very good. It's got everybody in it but Edwin Booth. I'd like to see that, too. Oh, you don't know how much good it does me to see you sitting here so calm and collected, McGee. Don't you want me to turn on that light for you? No! <laughs> no, thanks. I'm perfectly all right. Thank you. Don't worry about it. I, I like it this way. I've only got to finish Barney Google and Chief Wahoo anyway. Well, I'll go see how Beulah's coming along with dinner. See, did you tell her about raising your salary $2 a week? My gosh, I forgot all about it. I'd better call her. Oh, somebody about to call for Beulah? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Beulah, I wanted to tell you that I've took the matter up with the War Labor Board and got a confirmation to raise your salary two bucks a week. Well, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. Thank you ever so much, sir. Who's going to be here? What do you mean, who's going to be here? Oh, well, it's been my experience, ma'am, that when folks raises my salary all of a sudden like that, it usually means they're planning some big wing thing whereby I lose my Thursday off or something. <laughs> now, there's no catch in it, Beulah. You've been doing a good job, and we appreciate you, that's all. Thank you very much, sir. Sure was good news. One more raise like that, and I can afford to quit. <laughs> Heavenly days, Beulah. Aren't you happy here? Oh, yes, ma'am. This is the most compatible place I ever worked. Oh, oh, only me and Ira, we may get married. Is Ira your current admirer, Beulah? Current? That man is 1,000-watt, million-volt, direct, and alternating. <laughs> Alternating? Yes, ma'am, between me and Lily Robinson. <laughs> she worked for Toopses. Oh, but you got the inside track, eh? I got the inside track on the rail, closing fast in a photo finish. I win. <laughs> that Lily should take a bad picture. Has uh, Ira proposed yet, Beulah? <laughs> oh, no, but I know the signs, ma'am. <laughs> when a gal straighten a man's necktie and he don't slap her hand away no more, she might as well start selecting her torso. <laughs> 
It's true so, Beulah. It's true so. Help me, sir. <laughs> well, uh, Beulah, we'll hate to lose you, but never let it be said that the McGee's ever barricaded the middle aisle. Yeah. Let us know when it happens, Beulah. We'd like to give you a shower. <laughs> Mr. McGee, you just trying to make me blush. <laughs> now, Beulah, he means a gift shower. Yeah. You better read up on the customs, Beulah. You know, when you get married, you got to wear something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Mr. McGee did, Beulah. He wore an old suit, a new hat, and borrowed two dollars from me for the license. And what was blue, sir? (laughs) Four of the prettiest gals in Peoria. Four of the prettiest gals. (laughs) (laughs) Mad about that little character. The King's Men sing, accentuate the positive. Gather round me, everybody. Gather round me while I preach some. Feel a sermon coming on. I must deliver this message before the old year's gone. Don't you want me to turn that light on for you? Doggone it. How many times have I got to tell you? No, thank you. I'm fine. Perfectly all right. Just reading the want ads anyway. Sorry I disturbed you again. You've been so wonderful about not letting things annoy you, I ought to leave you alone, I guess. Oh, forget it. Nothing bothers me. Hey, how do you like this want ad I just come across? Wanted. Man to work around small farm with six cows and one horse who can drive half-ton truck and help with housework. <laughs> well, if they close all the racetracks in the country, there'll be a lot of horses looking for housework. 
Yeah, I guess what they really want is a longer morning line at the ammunition factories. Uh, see, uh, speaking of ammunition, dearie, I never told you about your shotgun. You mean my new single-barrel 12-gauge? What about it? Well, I was trying to get into that old trunk in the attic, and the lid was stuck, and I didn't have anything to pry it open with, and your shotgun was standing in the corner, and... Uh, <laughs> well, uh, how far can you bend the barrel of a gun before it's really damaged? <laughs> You mean uh, my new shotgun? You bent the barrel, so... How bad is it bent? Oh, not more than two or three inches. Mm -hmm. It curves up slightly now. (laughs) Just bent the barrel two or three inches, eh? Yeah, but in another way, it's better than it was. How's that? Well, that little bump on the end of the barrel broke off. Uh. Now it won't get in your way when you aim. Mm. That was a sight. It certainly was. You know it spoiled the looks of that whole gun? (laughs) Oh, Molly, you're terrific. (laughs) My gosh, worrying over bending a gun barrel a mere two or three inches. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to love it that way. Now I can shoot around corners. Really? And uh, you're not angry with me? I'm not angry with anybody. (laughs) Relax, kiddo. Just as soon as I finish reading this paper, we'll be off. Oh, dear, come in. Oh, it's Dr. Gamble. Hello, doctor. Hello, Molly. And a happy new year to you, too, underslung. Oh. <laughs> I can't stand this. Good afternoon, Dr. Gamble. Dr. Gamble? Why this sudden attack of formality? Don't you know me, McGee? I'm your friend. I'm your family physician. The magnetic personality with the $12 stethoscope who has to assure you five times a week that a wart on the thumb is not necessarily fatal. Remember? <laughs> What is this, Molly? Has little rubber puss got a grouch on? (laughs) On the contrary, Doctor. He's decided to keep his temper under control after this. And I must admit he's been doing a magnificent job. No kidding. Well, he's probably lengthening his own life, but the shock will kill a lot of his friends. (laughs) Not that I believe a word of it, of course. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And he's one of the oldest dogs that ever sat up and begged for a poke in the nose. (laughs) But I tell you, Doctor, it's working. Everything has happened today, and he's been as sweet-tempered as an angel about it all. He better drop in my office and let me tune in on his peristalsis. With him, ten minutes of good nature is pathological. Ordinarily, he's just a nasty little sourpuss with the temper of a bilious buffalo. Ah! Do give him credit for trying, though, Doctor. Why not? I've given him credit for everything else, including my valuable services. As a matter of fact, dear, if he keeps this up, it'll be very beneficial. Oh, you mean his health will be better, huh? Oh, indubitably. Anger, you know, releases adrenaline into the system. Adrenaline is highly toxic. That's why he's always been such a poisonous little character. Ah! Oh, now, doctor, please. He's been such a good boy. Don't spoil it. All right, all right. You win. Well, I better run along before I say something I might regret, as if I could. Well, maybe it would be better if nothing happened to bother him. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, Happy New Year to you, Molly. If you can manage it, living with stupid little beetle brain over there. I, uh... I hope, uh... I hope little droopy drawers won't take it amiss. I hope he won't take it amiss if I make a slight suggestion in the best interest of his well-being. What's that, Doctor? Getting too dark to read in here. Let me turn on that light. There you are. Ah! 
like you nosy old bone scraper. Can't a guy read his paper in peace without every busybody in town butting his big bald head into what's none of his business? Oh, All I ask is a little peace and quiet, and what do I get? Yammer, yammer, yammer. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Turning on the lights all over the place. But, my boy, I was merely... Well, go merely someplace else, you big lemon head. Have all the dad-ratted nerves. McGee, stop kicking that piano. I'll kick the dad-ratted jukebox all over the house if that's big, that big obscure, obsolete, of everything old, obstruction don't scram out of here. From the Johnson Wax people, Billy Mills and his orchestra, the King's Men, Alice, Dr. Gamble, Harlow Wilcox, Beulah, us, and the man who slams the door, a very happy new year. May your 45 really be loaded. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Well, that was Fibber McGee and Molly as first broadcast December 26, 1944. Last show of the year. And as you heard Molly coming out and wishing uh, uh, everybody a happy new year at the end. And, of course, 1945 would mark the end of World War II. Maybe as you were listening to that, you were wondering, what happened to some of my favorite characters on there? Like, where was uh, Boomer? Or where was Wallace Wimple? Or where was the old-timer? Well, all three of those roles were played by Bill Thompson. And during the war, Bill Thompson had enlisted in the Navy. And so he was off uh, doing his thing. Also, we didn't have uh, Gail Gordon. I'm not too sure where Gail Gordon was during the war years. I'd have to look that up. Uh, Harold Perry had already left Fibber McGee and Molly and started the Great Gildersleeve. That was uh, a couple of years earlier. So uh, anyway, the show had a little bit of a different feel to it, but it was still really a funny episode, wasn't it? Fibber McGee and Molly, one of the most popular shows uh, throughout the history of what we consider the golden days of radio. going to kick things in the head for Monday, June the 14th, 2021. Hope you enjoyed our selection. We'll be back tomorrow with an old-time radio drama. On Wednesday, we'll have a mystery for you, and on Thursday, we'll have a western. So we hope you stay with us all week. We would really like to have you. 
You know, this episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly tonight came from 1944. We don't usually play shows that old, although with Fibber, McGee, and Molly, that was some of their best years. And they were, uh, there's actually a lot of people that feel like they made a major contribution toward the winning of World War II because of the morale that they uh, generated uh, through their show. And uh, who knows, maybe there's some truth to that. But 1944 was an interesting year. Everybody was in in the war, as we brought out earlier. Uh, Even their cast members, uh, some of them were gone. So we were looking at what what songs were they listening to in 1944. Uh, That's about the year my parents got married. I think it was 43 or 42 they got married. But uh, just looking at the top-selling songs of 1944, the number one song, the number two song, the number three song, the number uh, nine song, and the number ten song. So one, two, three, four, five were all by Bing Crosby. Now number two was Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters, but Bing Crosby had number one, two, three, uh, nine, and ten. Jimmy Dorsey had number four. Dinah Shore had number five. Ella Fitzgerald and the Ink Spots together on a a duo had six and seven, and the Mills Brothers had number eight. But going out tonight, we're going to play a song that I have always loved, and it's almost a kid's song, but it's by Bing Crosby, and it was the number one, the number one record of all of 1944. Hope you enjoy it. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long funny ears Kicks up at anything he hears His back is brawny but his brain is weak He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak And by the way, if you hate to go to school You may grow up to be a mule Or would you like to swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a pig A pig is an animal with dirt on his face His shoes are a terrible disgrace He has no manners when he eats his food He's fat and lazy and extremely rude But if you don't care a feather or a fig You may grow up to be a pig Or would you like to swing on a star Carry moon 
Or would you rather be a fish? A fish won't do anything but swim in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought. And though he's slippery, he still gets caught. But then if that sort of life is what you wish, you may grow up to be a fish. Kinda jumped up slippery fish And all the monkeys are in the zoo Every day you meet quite a few So you see it's all up to you You can be better than you are You could be swinging on a star 